0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Welcome back to the
2: Cover Three podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
3: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Here to get your weekend started right. Big old bag of mail will be returning, but guys, we are running out of days. We are running out of episodes to be able to deliver all of the win totals to you. So here we're going to get your weekend started right with uh, some choice win totals selected by our esteemed panel from the Independents, from the Group of Five, which means we're going to be tackling Notre Dame, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, Louisiana Coastal, and also taking it a little bit off the board, letting everybody uh, try to identify places where they've got value hunch, uh, whatever it may be. So. So with uh, a lot to get to today. Gentlemen, y'all ready to count them up?
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. Count them up. As much as I think it's the, the under count is a safe up. play, like, I can't even...
3: Count them up! Count them up! How many kids you gonna win this fall?
1: I can't fathom who wins.
3: How many kids you gonna win this fall?
1: I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere.
3: Happy... 40th birthday, Barton Simmons.
2: Happy birthday, Barton.
3: Happy. Hey, Barton is 40. 40.
2: I, know. I, I, I don't he know if he was
3: like keeping I that do. secret, but Haley told on him with a nice oat <laughs> <some> milk. <laughs> so that you look as good
4: as Barton yeah. does when he's
3: 40. Uh, we'll
4: wear a poncho, drink some oat milk. That's. <laughs>
3: Uh, we love you, Barton. Uh, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure you'll be listening to this uh, at some point. All right, we begin with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, where Clark Lee was the defensive coordinator. Our new defensive coordinator for the Fighting Irish is Marcus Freeman, comes over from Cincinnati, who we'll be getting to in a little bit. Uh, the over/under win total for the Fighting Irish this year, as they move back into full independence from uh, being an ACC conference member for a season, win total set at nine uh, at the Caesars Sportsbook plus 105 to the over, minus 125 to the under. You know, they're putting their schedule together. We got Toledo, Purdue, Cincinnati, USC, UNC, uh Navy and Georgia Tech. Those are the teams coming to South Bend. The uh, only four true road games, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Virginia and Stanford. Of course, there is that neutral against Wisconsin at Soldier Field that we mentioned in the Big 10 West episode. Um uh, which way, who wants to jump in first? Which way are we going on Notre Dame? Nine wins for 2021.
2: Under. I'll wake up the echo. Oh,
4: <laughs> oh, are you? Are I'm you over. over.
3: Yeah, I'm on over.
4: I'm, right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the under. Um, And mainly, I, I just feel like eight and four is more likely than 10 and two. And I'm about to say a lot of good things about Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> and, I've been, I've been a Notre on. Dame defender Uh, All year, last year on Barton and Bud, we would criticize them for not being able to hit explosive plays through the air, but then also point out Kevin Lawson and Braden Lindsay got hurt in the preseason or in week one, and they were unable to hit those explosive plays, and now they expect those guys to come back and have an impact. They recruit really well on the offensive line. I think Jack Cohn could be a serviceable QB. Their tight end room is amazing. I think they have a lot of talent on defense, Uh, but they also lost quite a bit off last year's team. And, you know, last year was a good team. Was it actually a top four level team? I don't think so. Uh, you know, if you could adjust your your power numbers to account for the fact that they didn't play Trevor Lawrence, and, and granted, DJ played amazing uh, for Clemson in that game, I think you probably wouldn't think they were a true top four level team last year. Uh, and so for me, nine comes up with them a ton, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but for me, nine pops out as like the most likely number by a lot. And so I think your most likely outcome here is you get your money back at the end of the year. Um, but I, there's a lot of games they could lose here. I mean, they're already down to an eight point favorite at FSU. I wish money lines were out somewhere. Cause I, I really, you know, I, I'd like to take some alternate stuff there potentially. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be single digits in quite a few games. I mean, they, are, Toledo is not going to beat them, but like Toledo's a pretty damn good G5 team. Spoiler for what's to come. Like, uh, I think they'll beat Purdue. They'll be an underdog at Wisconsin. Do you guys have them as more than a touchdown favorite against Cincinnati?
3: I I, I, I don't. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because Notre Dame's not a team that I trust to cover big spreads, but they are a team that I trust to play winning football and win That's games. Fair. And like for these win totals, you're right. I don't expect them to be overwhelming favorites in a lot. And I'm with you that nine and three is where I land often. But I'm thinking about it like push insurance to the over because of one like very crucial factor, and it's that the toughest games are in South Bend. The opponents that I am like most intimidated by, uh, they are all going to be coming to Notre Dame Stadium and those true road games of... like, Yes, it would be hilarious if Florida State goes out to win that game. It would be monumental. It would be the kind of stuff that just... No matter what happens the rest of the season, it would be just a positive... Not no matter what happens, but you know what I'm saying. Virginia Tech, that's another one where I... I think Virginia Tech can play Notre Dame close, but I would not take the Virginia Tech money line. I just don't trust that team quite like I trust Notre Dame. Virginia, I think they are decidedly um, a a step down from where Notre Dame is, and the same thing about Stanford. So, you know, with those games that you're right, could be very much a coin flip, a a UNC, a Cincinnati, a USC. The fact that they're all on the home side, that's what has me feeling like 9-3 and comes up a lot, but I'll feel okay taking the over.
4: Are they favored at – at Bot Yeah. I think so. Absolutely they will be by like a lot.
3: Um, let's see. No,
4: right, not by a lot. you guys give me a touchdown in that game? No, it will m- be it right might be less. Than,
3: it might be less than a touchdown. It could yeah, be like a four and a half a or five or something like that.
1: You think they're yeah. over a touchdown at UVA? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bud's seeing something different than we are. I I think I look at the wins I think we're overthinking this. I I think I think it's hard to find three losses. Like I I found it at eight and a half in there, and I was really confident about the over. The nine makes me a little bit like eh, but I still look at the schedule. I think this is a team that we should be more talking about reloading every year as opposed to this is a setback year. Like when we talk about some programs need seniors to develop in Northwestern or other programs, Notre Dame is more often than not replacing top-tier talent with uh, top-tier talent. I think that's been the trend. I think it continues. Mildly worried about the quarterback. Ian Book was good. He wasn't great. Like, can you get at least that level of play? I think so. So I'm more bullish on uh, Notre Dame, so I'm going to take the over
2: yeah i'm kind of in a similar situation where i feel like nine and three is more of a floor than a ceiling for notre dame this year i i in a way like bud you mentioned like kevin austin and those guys being hurt last year if those guys are healthy i think with cone notre dame's offense there's a chance it could be more explosive this year just based on the fact that ian book while he improved a lot last year one of the things that always bothered me about Book and the way he ran in that offense was like we, we talked about Notre Dame not having explosive players at the receiver position. It was true for the most part, but I felt like Book wasn't willing to give his receivers much of a chance to get open either. Like he was very much for a lot of his tenure there, a one read. And if it wasn't there, he was gone. He was running. He was taken off and it worked for him and it worked well for Notre Dame. Jack Cohn is going to sit in the pocket and give his guys time to get open if it's there so when you got guys like Kevin Austin Avery Davis Braden Lindsey, and you got Michael Mayer at tight end I think this is an offense with Cohen and also Kyron Williams at running back it could be it'll be, I think there's more of a vertical threat offensively in the passing game than there ever was or ever going to be with the end book. And I think that will help them. And I think they have a very strong offensive line. I think defensively they replace a lot, but they've recruited so well on that side of the ball. They've been developing players so well on that side of the ball that I'm really not all that concerned. It might be kind of choppy at first in the early season, but I think as the year goes along, this is a team that's probably going to keep getting better. And I look at the schedule and while I agree, I don't think there's like, it's a tough schedule. Notre Dame always plays a difficult schedule in relation to most other programs, but I don't see like definite losses and I don't see obviously a lot of blowout wins. I do see a lot of, you know, between three and 10 point spreads in all their single and all their games. So I feel like Notre Dame at worst is going to be in a close game when it's not you know, it, for most of its games. And I do trust the coaching and I do trust the culture and all that kind of stuff that they have there. So when I go through the schedule, I think Florida state on the road, that's a much tougher game in most years and previous years. And it probably will be this year. So I think they're winning that. I think they're beating Toledo. I think they're beating Purdue. I think they're beating Cincinnati, but we'll get to that more later. I think they can beat Wisconsin, but I think Wisconsin is just capable of beating them. I think Virginia tech is a team we've talked about. There might be a damn mutiny at some point there this year that could fall apart. USC, I don't trust Clay Helton yet. North Carolina, we saw what Notre Dame did to them last year, although I think North Carolina is going to be better this year. Navy, not high hopes. Virginia on the road, I think Notre Dame can win that. Georgia Tech and Stanford wins. So when I go through there, yeah, I see two, three losses as a certain possibility of outcome, but it's just there's no games on that schedule where I look at and say, oh, yeah, that's for sure the loss. I feel like they're 45% minimum in all their games.
3: I uh, was filling out... My All-America ballot for the CBS Sports All-American. And I, I was surprised at how little I've thought about Kyron Williams. And I have to keep thinking about Kyron Williams. Because when you talk about an all-purpose back, somebody who can help you receiving out of the backfield and be really, really dynamic, I, I put him in, in that APB uh, category on my All-America ballot.
2: And um, he's not alone either. They've got guys behind him, too, like with uh, Chris, Chris Tyree. Chris fr- Tyree is still good. A freshman I've heard good things about. Uh, Audrick something. Uh, can, I, hold on.
3: Audrick
2: can I suggest SM. something here?
4: Sure. Yes. I would much rather bet Kyron Williams at 175-1 to 1 for the Heisman, which you can get him at right now, than bet Notre Dame over its win total. If oh. Notre Dame is going to go over its win total, if this team is as good as you guys think it's going to be, they might be a, like much better. And I think the payoff would be like that's a number you can hedge, right? Going into the month of November, if somehow the Irish are undefeated. Like, I, I'm not saying don't bet the over or don't bet the win total. Um, I think Danny brings up a great point about taking the over eight and a half at other places. But you can get Kyron Williams for 175 to one right now. But he's like, got a
3: loaded room. They do kind of committee that thing sometimes.
2: And he is a running back and nobody cares about them anymore. That's, That's all receivers and QBs now.
3: Yeah, Heisman's all political. It can't can't be the new running that backs. It's
2: either going to be quarterbacks or receivers. That's it from now on, for uh, at least like the next 20 years.
3: Yeah, I, I I'm I'm very interested. Oh, and then uh Kyle Hamilton, Jarrett Patterson, like you've got you can quickly start to string together truly like elite all American level talent. Um, plus the names that we will get to know as they continue to turn things over. How many games are gonna win this fall? Brings us to BYU. The Cougars have an over under win total at Caesar Sportsbook of six and a half, minus 130 to the over, plus 110 to the under uh, for the games in Provo. Holy war, Utah coming to town, Arizona State, USF, Boise State, Virginia, and Idaho State. BYU will be going on the road to go play Utah State, Baylor, Georgia Southern, USC. They start the season week one with a neutral against Arizona. So after the, we know that we're losing Zach Wilson. We know that we're losing offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. And there are other pieces too from that wildly successful season. That are going to be gone. However, um, I think that there's still expectations that Kalani Sataki has built up a good program and that this team is not going to have the bottom fallout. The question is, where do they land in the setback? So with the win total of six and a half, the schedule gets tougher. What do we think happens for BYU?
1: I'll go. Go. I'll take the over six and a half but man, I don't feel great about it. I, so I, I, you talked about Kalani Satake built up. He was on a hot seat last year. Like BYU fans were kind of like, all right. Cause he had the good year one after Bronco with his players and kind of his, you know, leaders of the team. Then they struggle a couple seven and six, seven and six, and it wasn't looking great. And then last year was the breakout season. That was perfectly scheduled for what unfolded. Like the schedule was a joke and we've been over that. And, I think replacing Zach Wilson will be an issue. Young defensive line. I don't know. This is one of those ones. I just don't know what I'm gonna get. But I feel like seven. Like I'm, I'm having a hard time finding the losses. Like I find four losses, but I don't know. I don't find like the Virginia game at home is one of those ones. I'm kind of torn on. I don't know. I, I I think I think what's that? The Bronco Bronco Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, I think 7-5 and five is, the, is the record.
3: I'm on the under, and this is a, a very dumb wrinkle. I'm admitting that it's dumb, but there are these games that you mentioned where it's kind of coin flip. You're not really sure what you're going to get. Games like Baylor, Washington State, Virginia. You're just like, I don't know. I don't feel great about either side. So I think that those Power 5 opponents, the ones that are on the schedule, Power 5 opponents back on the schedule now, they're all teams that need the BYU win. Cause they're all teams that are in kind of the lower half of their own conference. So when that game cycles up, it's not going to be a situation where BYU is going to catch these teams napping. It's going to be like the coaching staff and the players saying, okay, we, we got to win this game. If we want bowl eligibility, like if you're a Baylor fan or a Virginia fan, or even a Washington state fan, you're going into the season, hoping that this is going to be a year where you can get six wins. And often, I think for a lot of those schools, BYU, they're kind of circling it as a need to be a win. I think that six wins would be a really good season for BYU if they go six and six, considering everything that they've lost and all the turnover. But because of that weird, dumb, motivational angle for the coin flip games, I'm actually on the under for six and a half.
2: Yeah, I'm on the under too. Like, but I don't, I don't know about your power rankings, but I will just say that mine right now, I have BYU closer to Illinois then i have it to like toledo as far as what i expect from it this year and as far as like a week to week kind of quality i i think that you know if you look at uh, Connolly's returning production rankings from last year byu is returning the least of any program in the country and byu to me is not a program that can really just kind of reload like that and also like you lose zach wilson who was you know he was he was a top what, it's a lot of production play. Yeah, like BYU doesn't have a lot of top five quarterback picks in it's, it's, you know, it's repertoire just waiting to pull another one back out. And I look at the schedule and it's such a much more difficult schedule than what they had to deal with last year. Like you were getting a chip. There's what? There's one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven Power Five opponents, and then there's the rest. There's the one FCS opponent in Idaho State, but even the Group of Five opponents are all solid Group of Five programs. It's not like there's any bottom feeders. There's USF, Utah State, Boise State, and Georgia Southern. These are all teams that are going to present problems, and a lot of which I have ranked higher in my Power rankings than I have BYU. So I'm fully prepared, given given the size of the and the vo- vocalness of the BYU fan base, to be getting you know a lot of. Dunk on quote tweets in the future if this goes against me, but I'm fairly confident in the under here. This is this is a team that this is an under. This is a play that I'm very much looking at as one of my possible you know win total locks.
3: You're
4: muted. I I don't mean this is shade on Illinois. Yes,
1: make a meme for it because they made a meme for my mic not working. Bring the heat.
4: Meme it up. (laughs) Yep. So you asked me, do I have, um, do I have BYU closer to Toledo or Illinois? And I think you meant that as like, you have Illinois rated over Toledo. No, I have Toledo rated higher than Illinois. Yeah. So I have, okay, same. So I, I have BYU closer to Toledo than, than, than I do Illinois. Um, I, I'm i going to take the over here. There, <laughs> I couldn't find it this morning and I didn't have any money in the place where they had it a couple days ago. So I was kind of annoyed. Um, but there was a six out there at that point. I think that's a really strong bet to the over because I think six is, is the most likely number. Uh, but I do think that like their upside, I just don't think they're going to miss a bowl. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the over on this. Some of their games, like where they're at, I, I kind of like. Like they go to Utah State, I don't think Utah State is going to be a very good football team this year. Okay. They get Arizona in week one. Now, maybe Arizona gets a lot better than we think, but I don't think that'll happen in week one. You know, they get they get Arizona State at home. I mean, I think Arizona State's going to be pretty good. But, like, that's not a slam dunk win for Arizona State, I don't I don't think. You know, USF at home, that's a dub, barring something crazy. And I like Jeff Scott a lot. You know, they get UVA at home in the Bronco rematch. Chip's point, I think, about teams need to make a bowl game is great if Georgia Southern has overachieved at that point. If Georgia Southern is getting to five at that point, now, that's a tough little trip down there, but a it's not in the heat, right? I mean, it's it's the week before. Um, yes, it's you know week before Thanksgiving, uh, and they are coming off a bye against that one, so I I like that they get most of their difficult games uh, at home because I think those games are are in the winnable range at Baylor at Washington State. I think they just need to get a split if they can do so to hit the over here. Um, it's not one that I'm absolutely loving right now, but I. I kinda like it. Kind of like it? Okay.
1: It's one of those teams too where we've we've talked a lot about forgetting what we saw from Michigan, Penn State, teams that fell apart last year, Pac 12 teams. You have to forget what you saw last year with this team too, because the schedule was such a cakewalk. You just have to like this. I think this is one of the and when I've looked at the Pac-12 teams that are facing them, I kind of don't know what to do with BYU. The, Some with Bud.
3: Well, also, you know. If you're gonna forget everything, you also got to forget with them uh, just piddling around with UTSA in the 3:30 slot on ESPN News when no one was paying attention, and undefeated BYU all of a sudden finds itself hotter than fish grease out there with uh, Jeff Trailer.
4: Also, this is one of the most misleading, like final power rankings, if you don't adjust for circumstance, that I've seen in a while. So they beat Navy 55 to three in that opening week. Because yeah. Navy and look, they would have beat Navy no matter what, but Navy did not practice any contact, and it looked like it. I mean, BYU was having fifty-yard runs every drive. The computer doesn't know that. You know what I mean? So like, like I and I, I think Bill Connolly's system is way better than FPI. They had them seventh last year. You know that bowl game. The computer doesn't know that UCF had a bunch of dudes just basically quit, right? Mm. So they're evaluating that off. Hey, BYU walloped a pretty good UCF team. They're evaluating it. Hey, like. BYU crushed a Navy team that ended up being, you know, not good, but certainly not losing by 52 points type level. There, there are some other games like that in this stretch. You know, I, I, I do think they're going to drop. I just, I thought we were going to get a number like a seven or seven and a half here uh, when when these came out, and just
3: so you're taking you know. the over, but again, you're presenting all this evidence that's indicating well, that
4: confidence is
3: slipping, <laughs> which is good, yeah. which is good for the listener. We're, we're they want everything that we've got, you know, in addition to our picks.
4: It's all about price, right? Like I love Wisconsin. I don't want to bet Wisconsin for the division or the the conference cuz everybody's hyped him. Everybody's bet him. Like I don't see any value there. It's I love it. Count them
0: up.
3: Let's uh let's take a little spin on into the American Athletic Conference and we start with the AAC favorites, the Cincinnati Bearcats after an undefeated regular season last year. Uh, they have a win total of 10 Whole number, minus 110 to each side at Caesar Sportsbook. The home draw, Miami of Ohio, Murray State, Temple, UCF, Tulsa, and SMU. And then on the roadies, there's the two games. If we're going to talk about Cincinnati and the college football playoff, Everyone in all of the narrative is going to be pulled from what happens in at Indiana and at Notre Dame. Uh, they also in conference play will be traveling to Navy, Tulane, USF, and East Carolina. Uh, we're replacing Marcus Freeman, as we mentioned, the new Notre Dame defensive coordinator, with Mike Tressel from the formerly from the Michigan State staff, longtime assistant under Mark D'Antonio. Uh, who wants to take first stab at the Bearcats?
2: I I'll go I this is it's a push like w- we have 10 and that's what I have being the overwhelming most likely outcome because when I look at that schedule it's like I, I don't think we need to worry about arguing about whether Cincinnati deserves a playoff spot this year because I do think they're going to lose two games I think that when you look at that the two road games with Indiana Notre Dame and then that UCF game at home I'm confident that the Bearcats will lose two of those three games. I yeah. think they're definitely going to lose that Notre Dame game. And then I think they're going to win one of the UCF Indiana combination. So the question then becomes, can they go perfect in their other games? So while I think ten and two is the most likely outcome, I think nine and three is more likely than eleven and one. So since I have to choose a side here, I'm taking the under. I feel like I, I'm going to push at worst. So that's that's where I'm going to go.
3: I'm on the over, and I am not intimidated by a single conference opponent on this schedule. I think that on a neutral field, Cincinnati is a touchdown better than UCF, and I think that with that game being at home, it's it's, shape, it's shaping up for Cincinnati to go undefeated in conference play. Now, what happens in those two games against Indiana and Notre Dame? I'm willing to give Cincinnati uh, one of them. I don't know. I don't know. I think Notre Dame, I, I believe Notre Dame is much better than Indiana. Um, not much better, but the better team and the least likely win, but still, you know, with it being college football and everything else, I'll say that Cincinnati is probably not going to win them both, but I do think that Cincinnati is going to win one of them. I think that specifically, like we don't have divisions in the American athletic conference anymore but the teams that used to be in the East division, which were the ones that Cincinnati plays and some of those that are on this schedule, I just don't think they're very good right now. I just don't think that, uh, that run of like a Navy Navy was a West team, but, uh, you know, USF, uh, as Jeff Scott continues to try to get things going, I think that Mike Houston's probably going to have a good ECU team, but not one that's going to be ready to, to go toe to toe and take down this Cincinnati squad. Um, you know, other than UCF, maybe SMU, but he, again, SMU, that's another game that's at home. So I think they're undefeated in conference play. They get one of Indiana and Notre Dame, and if they lose them both, I feel so good about how much better Cincinnati is than the rest of the conference, then I've got the push insurance at 10. So I'm on the over.
4: I'm right there with you, Chip. Um, ever since I got 100-1 to one from Tom Fornelli, uh, I've, I've been feeling really like I, I'm on the Cincinnati bandwagon. My Georgia background also doubles as a Cincinnati background color scheme wise. Nippert stadium right R- there right on the checkerboard to that 100 <laughs> to one odds. I, I saw, I did see DraftKings get, gave him a 15 to one. So I feel like I got a decent overlay there at a hundred to one, but granted like Tom thinks it could be a hundred million to one because he's not going to have to pay it out. And he's probably right. <laughs> but I did, I, I did do a little more digging into Cincinnati and you guys know I'm not a big Desmond Ritter fan, right? We already have the bet I have with Tom that he's not going to go first round, but I love this defense. I think they have quality skill guys. Ritter is a good college quarterback. I just I don't think he's like a crazy NFL talent. Maybe wrong on that. If I am, I'm like like my overbet even more here. The real worry I have about this team is offensive line, right? They they lost James Hudson early to the draft. I think he was a pretty special you know talent. He was like a Michigan level talent who they actually developed. Um, but I don't think the offensive lineman will be bad. I just don't know that it will be like a playoff caliber offensive line. Um, I like that they get Indiana early because who knows what happens with, with, with Penix, right? Like, maybe he's ready and sharp. Maybe he's not. He better be ready and sharp if they want to win that game. I mean, I, I, think, trust, I think Cincinnati should be favored. Do you not trust Jack Tuttle? Not to the same extent, I guess. Okay. Although I'm not a huge... I don't know that either big-time difference makers... Notre Dame on longs-line line scrimmage does scare me a little bit. Um, who's the other game that has a really good defensive line? Now, UCF actually had a pretty good havoc rates with their defensive line last year. Uh, SMU doesn't have a defensive line. East Carolina, I think, will be the best ECU team in a while, but still no. South Florida doesn't. Tulsa lost, David Collins, even though he's a linebacker or whatever. Navy's definitely a no. Temple, no. Murray State, no. Miami of Ohio, no. I mean, it's sort of a three-game season in my mind, because if you don't, if you don't, if you can't beat, if you can't beat Cincy's offense up front, they're going to score on you, and you're probably not going to score on them enough to to counter it in in that league. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and take the over. I just have
1: eleven and one is more likely than nine at three. Um. All right, so here's what I'm going to do with Cincinnati. I hope I'm wrong about this too, because I want to be fighting with Tom, who hates the Group of Five. I want to be arguing with him and, and saying, "Hey, they deserve a chance in the playoffs." I'm on the under, but yeah,
2: that's my man right there.
1: <laughs> Here, here's what I'm going to do: you can get Desmond Ritter to win the Heisman fifty to one. I'll hedge with a Desmond Ritter for Heisman because if I'm wrong and he not and. If he gets, if he's 11 and one and one of those wins is Indiana and Notre Dame early, like, and they kind of go off to the races and they're in discussion all year long. I think we dispelled a lot of the traditions of Heisman quarterback winning team, like has to be a, uh, you know, a national champion contender, Alabama, Clemson, somebody else. I think that outside the box thinking last year from the Heisman voters was a good thing for Desmond Ritter. Like, oh, okay, we're going to start doing things a little bit differently I think Ritter could benefit from that. But I so here's my take on Cincinnati. We saw UCF with Scott Frost start to kind of look like dominating the American. This is a kind of a wilder, wackier conference, I think, with the American. And I I I don't think it's a slam dunk. They go undefeated. I think the UCF game is interesting. I think there's going to be a game in there. SMU, like watch out for SMU late in the season. And especially if Cincinnati loses one of those games and they're no longer in the playoff conversation, like they're not as motivated and dialed in every single week because, hey, it's just an American conference championship. You're not no longer in that conversation every Tuesday night. and Everybody's talking about you. I don't know. So I'm going to I'm going to fade them. I'm going to go under. I don't love it. I hope I'm wrong. And if I am, I think Desmond Ritter is going to have a massive year. And then maybe that Heisman bet could pay off.
4: And 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 you want to do a show bet for, for the league? I'll take Cincinnati. You take the other 13 teams.
1: No cuz I don't know if there's another great team in the league. So you're saying for right. a conference champ, you know, yeah, like for so type. but I think there's but I think there's somebody that could come like I think UCF is going to present a challenge and it could be one of those wild wacky games like we used to see in Memphis UCF. It's a wacky and, league. And, you know, exactly. Like you could see one of these high scoring affairs. So I still think Cincinnati is the best team in the conference. I just think that gap isn't there like when we talk about Clemson and the ACC and you just lock it in. You know, I, I just think there's another team that's you know we could see a slip up there one one thing to consider like too with
2: the Cincinnati season last year if you go through their schedule all right they open the season with a 35 point win over Austin P 14 point win over Army 21 point win over USF 29 point win over SMU 39 point win over Memphis 28 point win over Houston 38 point win over ECU it's like holy crap this team is really really good then the home stretch 3 point win over UCF Three point win over Tulsa, three point loss to Georgia.
3: UCF and I mean UCF and Tulsa were the next best teams.
2: Exactly. I, exactly. I will the say the gap between Cincinnati and the other good teams in the American. Like Chip, you think that Cincinnati's a touchdown better than UCF? Yes. Strongly disagree. Okay. We'll,
4: we'll get to see it. I I push back a little bit on what Tom just said there. I think he has a really good point about the down the stretch thing, but I don't I don't include UCF in that stretch. I mean they're. Their like expected scoring margin in that game was twenty one point one. Like I think, you, I think UCF was extremely fortunate to be within single digits, you know. But like Tulsa played them head up. It was just very very even game, and and they they I guess to their credit they played Georgia pretty even up. Like they weren't super lucky to to be in that game. Georgia kept coming up short on some fourth and ones and stuff, but Cincinnati stopped them.
3: I thought Cincinnati didn't play well to start the year. I thought that the Army game was ugly. I thought that not beating uh, South Florida by more was a little bit disappointing. But in that middle stretch, when they just started kicking everyone's ass, that's when I I woke up and I said, all right, okay, well, this is maybe a more well-rounded football team uh, than I had initially uh, considered.
2: They started scoring points. Yeah, they turned the ball over four times against USF and still won by 21. So,
3: Yeah, they were playing
2: dumb. Like, ew, I didn't
3: like it. <laughs> How many games you going to win this fall? Coming up on the other side, we turn our attention to Gus Malzahn, the UCF Knights, uh, a very experienced Louisiana team, and much more next.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
3: Magic, Jordan, Barkley, Bird, Malone, Ewing. The 1992 Dream Team changed the game of basketball forever. Dream Team, The Birth of a Modern Athlete is a new five-part original series streaming exclusively on Paramount+. This documentary takes you deep into the greatest basketball team ever assembled with never-before-heard audio interviews from the players themselves. So you get to hear as the team breaks down many things, including the greatest exhibition game ever, Team Magic against Team Jordan, the moment the torch was passed. You can watch Dream Team, Birth of a Modern Athlete, a new five-part series streaming now exclusively on paramount plus josh heupel hired away by uh tennessee gus malzahn after uh getting ousted by auburn lands in pretty good situation uh especially here immediately because dylan gabriel's a very very good quarterback you've still got some good skill position talent what the offense is is probably more of an intrigue point for us because while i as much as um, Tom and I are in disagreement about the distance between Cincinnati and UCF. I'm in full agreement that UCF is that next best team in terms of the win total that we've got from Caesar Sportsbook. It's at nine and a half, uh, minus one ten to either side for the home slate. They got eight home games. Good job. Uh, It's that's Danny White, right? Oh, no, Danny White left. Well, he. Probably scheduled, I mean, he scheduled, scheduled these scheduled. though, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eight, eight home games Boise State, Bethune, Cookman, ECU, Memphis, Tulane, UConn, and USF. Uh, on the road, they've got uh, Louisville, Navy, Temple, and SMU. Which way are we going with the Knights?
2: Danny, they're your team. You should go first. I need to hear
1: you guys first.
3: Over. I think that uh, Boise State, new head coach, and that game's going to be at home that's awesome Heat. bring uh, that heat uh, I, I love uh, the fact that we're looking at the schedule I'm, yes I'm, I'm gonna be giving them the loss for Cincinnati but they can beat Louisville I think that they're gonna take care of business against Navy I don't think Temple's gonna be very good like I just I think there's a big division uh, even within the American Athletic Conference between some of those teams at the top so I I feel good about 10 and two and uh, and so let's just say Louisville and Cincinnati are the ones that I'm chalking up as the two losses there. Again, I'm going to give you, I think that the spot for Boise state situationally is great for the Knights. So I'm going to be on the over.
2: I'm on the under. It's not, it's not a super confident under. I, 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 I wish this was at eight and a half cause then it would be over, but at nine and a half, I, I have to go with the under. I, I think nine and three is the most likely outcome for UCF this year I think that Boise State game to open the year that's going to be a tough game I think for Gus Malzahn his first game that that's a tough opponent especially for UCF's defense which I think sometimes struggles I think at Louisville is a tough game in the non-con so that's a pretty difficult non-con right there I think once you get into conference play Cincinnati on the road we just talked about Cincinnati I I think Cincinnati wins that game more often than not but I think it's a lot closer than like you think it will be Chip I think Temple on the road should be a win SMU on the road kind of tough, but the rest of that home schedule in the conference does set up well for them, so I do think that they're going to win most of those games, but there's also the fact that they have their bye in the fourth week of the season, and then they don't have another one. So the entire conference schedule is a consecutive game by game. Every single week, UCF is going to be playing. Some of those games will be on short weeks, the Friday game against Memphis at home and a Friday game to finish the season against USF at home. When you look at all that, it's not difficult to see a third or even a fourth loss coming up in there at some point. So it's not one I'm highly confident in because I do think UCF upgraded Significantly, at the coaching spot going into this year, it's just I don't think this is the same UCF team that we saw a few years ago. It's just simply a very good American Athletic Conference
4: team. I'm with Tom on this. Oh, sorry, Danny. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm with Tom on this. Um, so, if you want to take the under, Will Hill is the spot to bet this for sure. Like they are absolutely the highest on the market on, on UCF. There are some nines out there. If you if you're somebody who, who wants to play. You know the over more, and you know I I think nine is the most likely number that they land on. Um, to me, they have a couple games that are just no doubt locks. You know Bethune I think is a lock. Um, yeah, I want to put East Carolina in the lock category because it's it's in Orlando. Uh, I don't think they're going to lose to Temple no matter where they play it, and that's a road game, so that's in their favor. Uh, and they get you know UConn at home, USF at home. I, I don't think those two teams can really challenge them. But I think the most likely outcome here is a split. Between Boise and Louisville, um, I, I do think they're going to lose to Cincinnati, and you know Memphis, Tulane, SMU—that's a difficult sweep. So I'm, I'm going to go on the under here. It's not one that I'm you know hammering, but I, you know, just more likely than not. I'm also really curious to see you know what does Gus Malzahn do with Dylan Gabriel. He Dylan Gabriel is not unathletic, but he is not somebody who really scares you as a runner. And Malzahn's offenses with guys who are more pocket passer types have been bad. And every time like, Hey, we're going to switch to, you know, throwing the ball around at pocket passing and, uh, Sean White, Bo Nix, it doesn't work. He's a, you know, he's a natural wing T coach. And when they have runners, like when they had a cornerback from Georgia and Nick Marshall, they converted him to QB. They make a run to the national championship game. Um, I, I, that's some, that's some interesting turnover system wise. So go ahead and give me the under on this.
1: We're at nine. Is our number nine and, nine and, and a half. half? All right, I got to go under two then. Yes, because I'm with you guys. I think nine and three is probably the outcome. I what's going to be fascinating is Gus. Gus's criticism was the lack of developing a quarterback, right? And Bud went over all the reasons. Now he's got a quarterback who had the best season, you know, most passing yards in, in anybody in the country at 357 yards a game. If there's a regression with Dylan Gabriel, where does that fall at the feet of? Like, and I, he clearly, I don't think he's going to lead the country. Let's say he's like, okay, okay, and he's good, but not great as he was last year. And with the new system, and I totally agree with Bud's points, like, that's going to be on Gus's feet. I still think they'll be good, and that's the one thing I don't think Dylan Gabriel needs to be developed, right? I just I, It's a fascinating – it's going to be a fascinating storyline to watch it unfold. I do think it's a good sign when you see a couple Auburn players come with him, like a big cap, Bryant. There was another running back, right, that came with him. Um, so I think that's a good sign. Like, I think players will respond to him. I think there's a lot of enthusiasm in Orlando right now. Boise game, I do think, having played – it was a game I played in the NFL. Actually, I had just been cut, so it wasn't I wasn't on there. But I had, my last cut was like the last week before the regular season. Broncos came to play the Miami Dolphins. Broncos were a much better team that year. We're supposed to go, you know, made the playoffs after I was cut. Got beat by the Dolphins. Dolphins were not expected to be good, and we're not a playoff team. There is a massive advantage playing in Florida in the humidity, when a team comes from Boise, Idaho. Again, Denver was similar. It's kind of hot, but there's no humidity. You get down there, guys, and be cramping left and right. I think that's a win for UCF. But I don't, there's, there's too many hiccups in there, and it kind of goes back to the fade uh, Cincinnati. I just think the conference is a little wacky, and I think there's more opportunities for stumbles in UCF and a team that I'm not very confident in. over that. Like if it, nine and a half is is steep for me. If it was nine, I might consider it going over, but man. I love Tom's new screen name on on the YouTube watch. (laughs) YouTube.com
3: (laughs) slash cover three. YouTube.com slash cover three. Check it out.
4: So, (laughs) was oh, sorry. go ahead tom
2: no okay. i was just gonna say i could i was gonna bring this up later too with another team we're gonna get to but something i was doing some research on this week for a possible story that i'm writing just because i was looking to see if there's a correlation and indiana fans will be familiar with this i did a thing where i was looking at the teams on a yearly basis who had the highest points off turnover margins like and seeing how they typically did in the year afterwards, seeing if it's sustainable. And the early indications that I have found are that the teams that, by and large, most teams drop as far as win total is concerned. When they're from one season to the next, when they've really benefited from the turnovers, which, big shock, turnovers are kind of important. But Was Indiana large, in there? Yes, and the team, but the only teams that have really been able to consistently keep winning while doing that are the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio states, the elite talent teams, which I think plays a fact in the way that they're able to cause these turnovers. where UCF is one of the top teams last year as far as the points off turnover margin. They were eighth in the country at plus forty five. And that's something that does concern me going forward because, as I said, the 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 evidence that I've seen so far suggests that unless you're an elite level talent team, it's really hard to sustain that from season to season.
4: Yeah, I, I do think there's a fun scheme thing here. If we can talk like some, some scheme stuff for like two minutes. So, it. yeah, you know, UCF was running that veer and shoot, right. Which is basically the Baylor system. Mm-hmm. You know, got, got receivers as they call it spitting on the sidelines. Um, that's hypo kind of got it, you know, from there. There's a couple other schools that, you know, that, that run that obviously Syracuse to some extent now too. Um, I am interested in how much Gus is going to just use that while Gabriel's there and then recruit to whatever he ends up wanting to run. And we do know that there is some relationship there between Gus and Bryles because if you recall, remember when Jared Stidham was going to leave Baylor, right? Yeah. He ended up at Auburn, and I think it was sort of like the, hey, former high school coaches in, in the state of you know Texas or, or in that region-type relationship is one of the reasons – Why Stidham? I mean, this is a couple years ago now, but I I remember being told like he's going to end up at Auburn because Bryles trusts Gus to to you know run that offense. Now it didn't work out great, but I think he's still in in the NFL. I wonder how much they're going to sit down with some of the veer and shoot guys and say, "Okay, we got a kid that absolutely kills in this system. Let's just keep running this thing." Because the kid that they're that they're recruiting right now for QB Thomas Castellanos is a player who like you know Florida State, Georgia Tech, you know high like schools that recruit pretty well, even better than that, uh, they all wanted them to play running back. So it does seem like he's going to go back to a guy who's very mobile and maybe not the best passer. But on this roster, like, wouldn't you just stay running that same offense if, if they all, if they already know it and it's actually a pretty quick install typically?
1: Do you – all right, so Gus, when he's at Auburn, we saw him give up play-calling duties how many times? And what always and switch happens.
3: out offensive coordinators all the and time. What too. always
1: happened? Gus came back. I'm gonna I'm gonna take back over it now. Like I just I hear what you're saying, and I think that would be like a, I think you should do that, especially when you've got a quarterback who's coming off this incredible season and he's incredibly talented. But and and Gus is on the record as saying we're gonna build around our quarterback. I don't know. I don't know if it's in his nature to do that, but I agree with you on some of those running concepts and some of, you know, putting him in a position where if he's not comfortable, I don't know. That could be dicey, but I, I agree with what you're saying. You should implement some of what you've been doing. I just don't know if Gus will embrace that. Do
3: you think that Dylan Gabriel can run and be an effective plus one value added part of the run game? Last all right, I, I, so for reference, he averaged I think he had seventy-two uh, rushing attempts on the season. Though of course, you know how many of those might end sacks, up being sacks. Yeah. Um, never ran for more than forty-nine yards in any single game. Two rushing touchdowns. Two point three yards per attempt.
4: He did have. Hold on, sorry, sort this. Yeah, I've never. You clocked. don't have to be great. Like a he lot had of it seven point two down. per carry on zone read.
1: Yeah, that's, like, I, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I imagine solid.
3: him as I imagine him as someone who could be able to do it. It's just the mm-hmm. the system didn't always set it up. I was thinking Dylan Gabriel, uh, Dylan Gabriel, keeping rolling out to the side is might make a outside linebacker panic, right? You're just not really sure what you're going to be able to do. I think he's athletic enough to be able to be effective in Gus's system. But we'll see. Count him out. Taking it on to the Sun Belt, where we find the Louisiana and Cajuns. Win total at Caesar Sportsbook set at a round 9.0. Minus 115 to the over, minus 105 to the under. Uh, your, home, your home slate includes uh, Nichols, Ohio, App State, Texas State, Georgia State, and the rivalry game against ULM. On the road... We've had it circled for a while. They will be playing Texas early in the year. They also will be traveling to Georgia Southern, Arkansas State, South Alabama, Troy, and Liberty, uh, a tough non-con on the road there for the Raging Cajuns. So Billy Napier uh, is going to stick with the program, and um, he's got ridiculous amount of returning experience returning production uh i think double digit number of super seniors not quite our illinois levels but uh, levi lewis at quarterback is among the significant ones there a bunch back on defense so after double digit win season double digit win season competing for sunbelt championships competing for sunbelt championships nine do we think that that is going to be over or under
2: you know, I went into this full disclosure, like fully expecting to go under on Louisiana. But I also thought the win total would be higher. <laughs> I, I I thought, but there was just so much hype about this team going in that it's like, yeah, okay. And I was talking into it too like there's like you said, Chip, there's so much back. They're one of the best teams in the Sun Belt. They got the QB back, they got these guys back. Everybody's back. This is a team that's built. And I was just like, man, there's just there's way too much hype about this team going into the year. But then I break it down and I go through the schedule and I don't see how this team doesn't get to 10 wins, like more often than not. Like, I, I think they're going to lose, obviously, the opener at Texas on the road. I thought that Ohio game was a lot more difficult before Frank Solich decided to retire. Now I have questions about Ohio. I think that opening conference play with two road games is tricky because I think Georgia Southern's a solid program, and I think South Alabama's been moving in the right direction. But then you get App State, at least that's at home and off a bye. So it's like as I go through, like Liberty on the road, that's going to be a difficult game. It's just I see them losing the Texas game, and I could I could see them beating App State at home, and maybe they lose that Liberty State, Liberty game on the road. Maybe they lose one of those other road games, whether it's at Troy or Arkansas State. But I just think this team has too much talent, and it's too well coached to lose more than twice. So this is one of my more confident overs of, among the teams that we're doing today.
3: Yeah. Over, I think that you take, a, I've got Louisiana at the top of the Sun Belt. I've got Coastal Carolina right below them. I've got App State, Saddle in Third, but App State closer to Coastal Carolina than to Troy. And so I kind of feel like after that top three, you drop down into a mix of like a Troy, Georgia State, Georgia Southern group that's kind of, you know, I don't know how I would slot them against each other, but I would put them all noti- noticeably behind Louisiana the Liberty game is tricky, but if that's one of the only ones that I'm circling and a little bit concerned about, then this isn't an eight and four team. Nine and three at worst feels like great push insurance. I'm also on the over.
1: Shop around, get nine and a half, and take the under. Ooh, that's what I say. in. Like, I don't love I the nine.
2: Danny Cannell. <laughs> yes.
1: Stop. All right. So here's the deal. They're 0-2 against you guys. Are like Liberty's, you know, questionable. I think Liberty's a better program. I think Liberty's a better team. I think Liberty wins that game. I think Texas, like Louisiana's gonna be a trendy pick for a lot of people, like, hey, maybe and they might be in the conversation for the best group of five team, but they caught Iowa State completely by surprise. Texas, Sark cannot lose this game, right? And last year was funny because I had a, um, a Louisiana fan call into my radio show, and he said, "We you we dominated Iowa State, and they really didn't dominate yeah. them. They had what two special teams touchdowns in that game, which were the difference. And then if you looked at it, like it wasn't a great game for Iowa State by any means, but it was a pretty even game. I I think Texas. So then you got you got to go." You know, ten and zero to get the remainder. It's come. Kind of, I'm nine's tight. It's probably going to be nine, but I think the Sun Belt has a lot of talented players in it, and I don't think it's a guarantee that they run the table in there. So I'm going to take the under for the show purposes. But I would shop around and try to find nine and a half and take the, the under on that one. I'm going to
4: join Denny on the under here. Uh, now I would not bet under nine. Like I, I don't think that's a, a you're not. I don't think that's going to be profitable. I would bet under nine and a half minus dollar twenty five that I'm seeing at a couple couple spots right now. Um, I think they're going to be dogs at Liberty. Personally, like I, I, I yeah I think Liberty yeah because it's, uh, it's not in like Lynchburg.
3: Yeah, I've got them. I've got those two teams rated pretty mm-hmm. evenly, and so they're going on the road. Uh, I I agree.
4: Um, I have some concerns here. Uh, I, I think that Billy Napier did a really nice job coaching this team, but if we're going to dog Indiana for being very lucky, and we did, and I think justifiably. Do you know that Louisiana's, um, their like Pythagorean record, You know, basically like how, based on how they played, what their record would have been, they were .6 wins luckier than Indiana was last year? Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy because we know about all the, all the breaks Indiana got. So they were only 44% to beat Iowa State. They were 38% to beat Georgia Southern. They got the Doves in both those games, right? And they were 4% at UAB, got totally outplayed, and just basically lucked their way into that like crazy. Um, then down the stretch, they played some teams that were really you know, pretty bad. And then they played well against App State, to their credit, and they played well against an improving UTSA team. I don't know if their run defense is any good. Last year, it wasn't for the most part. And I have some concerns about Levi Lewis. Okay, He wins a lot of games, but I really don't think he's that good. Completion percentage, just under 60%. You know, touchdown to pick ratio under three to one. Um, I I have some concerns about the passing game. Like they, they're not consistently, they hit some big plays sometimes, but like I feel like they're just not quite on that level throwing the football that I want to be to back a team to, to get 10 wins. But I could see the path. I just, also, I like some more teams on their schedule too. Like I think Georgia State will be an improved football team. You know, I, I think that Troy is going to be a very improved football team. Um, you know, at Arkansas State, I don't think is necessarily a gimme at this point. Arkansas State had a ton of COVID stuff last year, but they flashed a little bit in that Memphis game. Remember? Mm-hmm. Like they, they were going toe-to-toe with Memphis for a while. This was right before Memphis had the COVID party bus thing. It was week zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Ohio, again, if their run defense sucks, which it did last year, I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll lose to Ohio, but they, they could. They could lose to Georgia Southern on, on the road. I think there's some there's some potential potholes here if they don't like. They they can't just play at the level they play, played last year and expect to hit ten. They actually have to improve quite a bit, and they bring back a ton, so it's very possible that they do. I think it's a good football team. I just, I don't know. I, I see some stuff that concerns me a little bit.
3: How many games are gonna win this fall? We turn our attention to the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers over under wind total higher than it is for Louisiana. Oh my gosh, Chip, why? Well, listen to this non-con. It includes the Citadel and Kansas and UMass. Uh, that's that's why you've got uh, an over-under win total. They also play Buffalo though, on the road, which can be a little tricky, though, as we know, Buffalo lost a ton, not just Lance Leipold. Uh, win total set at 10.0 at Caesar Sportsbook, minus 110 to either side. What are we doing with the Chanticleers? Under on principle because it's coastal and the
2: wind totals. It's a
3: 10. <laughs> yes. This is like there. This. Is not the slow build that Billy Napier has had with Louisiana, where they've won the division a couple times but lost to App State in closely, uh, in in hotly contested Sun Belt championship games. This was Jamie Chadwell riding a rocket ship, and they do have Grayson McCall back, and they do have some key defensive players back that I think make them a very good team. Again, I've got them sort of power rated as the second best team in the conference, but it is ten. And for me to take the over, I would have to think that they go eleven and one. Um, the games that I've circled are at App State and at Georgia Southern. If you want to, you know, find the the tricky spots. Uh it's just a huge number for, for a rising power. Ten and two is a likely outcome. I don't think eleven and one is, so I'll be on the under.
2: I'm with you. I I alluded to it when we were talking about uh UCF a few minutes ago. Two teams tied for the highest points off turnover margin in college football last year with 69, which is a very nice margin, Alabama and Clemson. Third place at 59, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, a team that really benefited from taking care of the football and having opponents not taking care of the football. And granted, you can't just say Coastal had nothing to do with that. They did. but. It's hard to rely on that to happen again. And I think that this is a good team. It was a very solid Sunbelt team, but it's not a team that or a program that I think is at the level where we can expect it to sustain that kind of play on an annual basis. Plus last year, coastal was kind of like, you know, a Cinderella kind of fun story underdog this year. They're coming in with a target on their back. These are the defending, you know, the, This is the team you know that people want to beat. No, they're not going to sneak up on anybody. Most of the teams in the Sun Belt are going to look at this as one of their biggest games of the season. And it's going to be interesting to see how this program and these players react to that. So I think that 10 and 2 is certainly within the well the realm of possibilities, but I think nine and three is far more likely. I really like the under here.
4: I'm going to take the over. Wow. I think they have some difference makers on defense. Um, I think that they start 5-0, and right? And then down the stretch, I mean, could they lose at Arkansas State? Yeah. There'll be dogs at App State. They could lose, you know, coming off that Thursday night game at home against Troy. I think Troy will be improved. And they could lose at Georgia Southern. Are they going to lose at home to Georgia State? I I don't think so. Are they going to lose at home to Texas State? I don't think so. And I don't think they're going to lose at South Alabama. Um I like their chances of going three and one in that four game stretch, you know, in, in October, uh, better than I like their chances of going uh, going one and three in that. So I mean, I, I have them favored in three of the four. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take the over. Like I really trust Grayson McCall. Mm-hmm. I think they absolutely hit on him. 26 to three, touchdown interception ratio, and it, like he just takes care of the football. They know exactly what they do. Um, man, I I got to tell you. And now I'm going to forget the dude's name. Their coach, um, Jamie Chadwell. Excuse Jamie me. Chad. Yeah, I was just talking about a camp a couple weeks ago. He has one of the absolute highest scores for decision EPA out there, which is something that we see the guys like Pat Fitzgerald actually uh, do. The Navy. Like there, there are some things that teams do to outplay their numbers, and he doesn't shoot his own team in the foot by doing dumbass stuff with decision making and it pays off I, like they they kind of run their offense decision-wise almost like an option team And i'm gonna put my faith in them uh, i do think they have some difference makers on defense and i know it's absolutely insane that i'm betting over 10 on coastal carolina uh, mm-hmm. i'm acknowledging yeah
3: that. yeah just I'm, I'm glad thank you
1: yeah little uh quick story for you yeah for the radio show we uh taped an interview with jamie chadwell and it was via zoom like we're doing right here. Like you could see each other. So I see this camera, I see it come on and it says Jamie Chabot, but a lot of times they have like an SID or somebody help set it up. So he pops up and there's this dude and I'm like, like, that's probably the equipment manager, right? So he's rocking porn stash and a mullet that makes Mike Gundy's mullet look classy. (laughs) <laughs> right, like, like it has a totally different look to it. It's more of a tail, like skinnier in the back, and it is all dirty myrtle. Like that's what it is. But I'm telling you, he's got something special about him. And Bud mentioned, like, I think he has a fun atmosphere. The players have bought in. He's got a quarterback who I think is one of the better quarterbacks in the Sun Belt. Maybe this season we'll start getting some national love out there. I look at the schedule and it comes down to the non-conference. The reason I took the under on Louisiana is their non-conference is a brutal slate. Coastals, I think will be easy. They've already beat Kansas twice. I'm a believer in this program. So I'm going to take the over on this one as well.
3: Nice. How many games are going to win this fall? All right. So I know I said two wild cards, but, uh, depending on how we're doing on time, maybe we can do one or if you've got two, uh, we can go quickly. Uh, Bud, let's point your attention wherever you want. Let's do let's do one round first, so we make sure we all get one each.
4: All right. So um, first, I'm going to take. This is available at two places. Do we have to use the Will Hill numbers for these? Yes. Yes. God damn it! All right. Uh, okay. Sorry. Give me. Give me. Give me Louisiana Monroe. Under one and a half minus so twenty-five. I, I think Terry Bowden's oh, team goes man. winless. I think oh, they're going to lose their FCS game too. I, I love when we do that. I love when we take like <laughs> under one and R- a half. Rich Rod's son might play quarterback.
3: But Rich Rod doesn't like... Son. You're, you're, Coach not, son. you're no, saying son. there's no, no advantage of Rich Rod as an Gym offensive man. coordinator in the Sun
1: Belt. All right, I got one for you and then I have to run. UConn, can I get two and a half for the Huskies? Last year's national champion, according to one writer for the New York Times, who said they were the only team that made the right decision and sat out all of college football. Randy Edsel, been pounding the table for name image likeness. He's pro player. The Players are buying in. Two and a half, Holy Cross, win. UMass, win. Yale, win. There's your three. UConn, Is a two and a half. Our boy, come on, Walt Bell, our I guy mean, there, bud. I, uh, UConn didn't play last year. That's a good. They're healthy. They're fresh. They're, fresh. they're, they're hungry. Fresh. <laughs> Book it. All right, I got to
2: bounce. All right, All right, see ya. Uh, I'll go. I'm, here's one. Under Navy, three and a half. Oh, it's you guys. be a very good season for the mids.
4: Okay. Um, I was going to lean that way. So
3: I've, I've found a number where all of the information that we use to break down win totals, it you just look at it from, like, the scheduling perspective, the draw, and you say, you know what, you just you got to take an under there. But, you know, the odds makers obviously factor that in, too. So I'm going to take an over for a Mountain West team that has two road games against Power 5 opponents and plays the three toughest teams in its conference all on the road. That's right. The Nevada Wolfpack go at Cal at Boise state at Kansas state at Fresno state at San Diego state. But seven and a half is too low for a Nevada team that I like. a quarterback in Carson strong is very, very good. Uh, I'm, I I've, I've got it in my notes as say it with your chest. Like I know that all everything is, is shaping up such that it looks like it should be seven and five. And those games at Cal at Boise state at Kansas state at Fresno state at San Diego state, you know, they could go, um, they could lose all those games, but I think they win two of them and the numbers flip. And this is a team that's eight and four or better. So I'm going over seven and a half with the Nevada Wolf Pack.
2: One more for me. Team in the American I'm higher on than the market seems to be. Over SMU on their, what were they at, six? I'm going over with the Mustangs. I, I think Sonny Dykes is doing a really good job with that program.
3: I like that. That team's bowling. When I saw that at like six on the number at Caesars, uh, that's, that feels like good push insurance. I've, I think SMU might be better than Memphis, but uh, you know we just got to wait to see how all that plays out. How do you have Tulane rated? Because I don't feel confident in my like Tulane uh, analysis right now, at least from the numbers perspective. I don't like where they're landing.
2: Yeah, I'm not huge on Tulane this year. I think, I mean, I don't think they're bad by any means. I think they could kind of be in that tier with SMU, Houston, and Memphis. It's just I have more confidence in those three programs right now than I do Tulane. Even though we all know how I feel about Willie Fritz.
4: Yeah. Um, I'm going to rapid fire four here. Let's do it. Toledo over eight and a half. I think Toledo is the best team in the Mac. I think they have a pretty good chance to win 10 games. That's at Will Hill. So I'm trying to give these all, all out from Will Hill. Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, or excuse me, Caesar Sportsbook, right. Also, Troy over six and a half minus 135. The market is moving to seven. If you want this, get it now. It actually opened at six where I already bet it. But like I would bet it again at six and a half. The, the rest of the market seems to be going to seven. And then I want to give two off markets. Well, are, are we for, for the Lockspot, are we going to give, uh, do we have to use Will Hill?
3: Ooh, good issue of debate here in uh, minute number 63 of the podcast because we have, in previous Locks editions, said, you know, I can get you, like, we the common rephrase is, can I get yeah. a, and Tom uh, has always been our, what, what? our arbiter of, like, I can get you a five five. So, you know, five and a half or something like that.
4: Let's give the folks some value right now then Okay, while we debate this. These two are not at Will Hill, but these are numbers that I think are really good. NIU under four wins is available at a couple of U.S. based books. So like we're not having to go offshore here. And one U.S. based book is posting up Old Dominion under four and a half. And I have already bet it under three and a half. And that is absolutely a, a something. I mean, they didn't play football Four and a half. Minus one fifteen to the under. It's not like you're 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 paying baked in juice. Like that's the best bet I can make all year.
2: (laughs) Any any others, Tom? (laughs) I have an NBA one. Okay. What's that?
4: There's an American sports book that has recently
2: posted the win total for the Chicago Bulls at thirty nine and a half. Over. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Easy. Come on. Just go ahead and get in on it.
4: Bulls are gonna be good this year? I think they'll be better than five hundred.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they
4: play 80
3: games in the NBA? All right, 82, yeah. I mean, that was uh, that was Tom's Red Sox because uh, it was posted at 80 and a half, and he was like, that's that, that's a team that's going to be able to play some 500 baseball. Now, the sweats over Pittsburgh and what happens with the Pirates <laughs> over the next hey, little bit. I
2: still believe in the Pirates. I They're going to get still believe in the Buccos. All right. Race you, to 59.
3: <laughs> you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Elliott 3 You can follow him at Danny Cannell, You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back next week. S-E-C win totals. And then at the end of the week, win totals locks. Then the next week, uh, game week, guys. That's it. So we will be back with win totals locks at the end of next week. Then the actual week zero locks and now the season's off and rolling. Cannot wait. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
2: Thank you. See y'all.